How to build a content strategy for complex buying journeys with Megan Zink. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. Does your content marketing strategy revolve around right and hope rather than designing premeditated pieces of content for a specific audience at each stage of the buyer journey? If so, today's episode could be just what you're looking for, featuring a lady who believes that if you're not educating or inspiring, then you're doing it wrong. She's passionate about creative strategy, data-driven decision-making and empathetical marketing and leads a team of inbound marketers as the Director of Demand Generation Marketing at Review Trackers. A warm welcome to this strategic marketing show, Megan Zink. Hi, thank you so much for having me, David. I am so happy to be here to talk about inbound marketing, demand gen, all things that I love best. Great stuff. Well, good to have you here, Megan. You can find Megan over at reviewtrackers.com. So Megan, how do you build a content strategy to better align with a lengthy, convoluted, Bar journey. To give um, the audience just a quick perspective, I actually came in as the content marketing manager of the company and have since, you know, hand a hand in content strategy, overseeing social media, SEO, technical SEO, um, you know, all things, user experience on the website, all important pieces of this content strategy. Moved up, you know, into the demand gen world, now senior director of demand gen at Review Trackers. I'll start by saying we were steering a very big ship that is very slow. So Review Trackers is a SaaS, a MarTech SaaS, uh, which stands for software as a service for those I'm sure everybody knows because it's for B2B here. Um, but we are a review aggregator. And then we also use natural language processing to allow people who are use our platform to see business insights. And we're talking to C-suite. Um, and so I say all of that because there were very important factors of this big slow ship turning. We decided to strategically move up market. Um, and so moving from a historically small business buyer to mid-market enterprise buyer is a very <laughs> complex journey. So when I got in here, one of the first things that we did with our content strategy is we actually examined, well, I had uh, led the charge of examining how people were actually consuming content on our website. And we realized that it wasn't really the greatest experience. So we overhauled that. Um, we so, so how did you establish that it wasn't the greatest experience? Did you actually talk to people or was this just reading your content yourselves and realizing that? Yes. So great question. Um, so we were doing a lot with a little and we didn't really have, you know, the resources to go out and do a huge market study or anything. So one thing that we really did, and you even said this yourself in, you know, introducing me, I love a good data-driven decision. And I will always go back to the data to say, okay, what is our success measurement? And how do we, you know, how do we measure success and how do we move backwards from that? And then that's how you kind of, I would like to create that strategy. Um, and so what we ended up doing is we looked at usage data uh, from Google Analytics, and we were noticing that people were using the search bar in a lot of different capacities. Um, they were doing major searches by 
review platform. They were doing major searches by uh, industry. So, you know, we are industry agnostic. We've got a couple of different verticals that we really specialize in, um, but we do support quite a lot. But we noticed that people were actually looking for like specified industry content. Um, And then we also got some feedback that people often confused us for TripAdvisor and actual review platforms. So they couldn't really tell the difference once they saw our content. And so a couple of different ways that we addressed that was to very clearly state where they were, um, make that, you know, very, very, very prevalent. Um, We actually sorted our content. So I worked very closely in my background. I actually taught myself a lot about the back end of WordPress, um, which we happen to use and, you know, using tags and categories and nesting content appropriately so that our users really could find what they needed. Um, The other cool thing that we did with that is I sort of wanted to future proof it. And I was like, well, you know, our syntax on the back end allows us to sort content in specific ways. And I had this vision where we could sort by our major um, product state, our value propositions. So we help users retain customers, acquire customers, uh, manage their reputation and reviews, and then also just grow you know, from a business perspective. And so we actually um, categorize our content into those major groups so that not only could people find it much easier, we created some pop-up menus on the homepage of the blog. Um, but the other thing that's neat is that we nested them with the URL. So we actually inadvertently made these in-blog landing pages that we could utilize for social media or as called actions. Um, it basically would collect any content that was tagged with those specific high-level categories. Um, so that was kind of neat. And, you know, we I'm all about doing a lot with a little reduce, reuse, recycle, kill two birds with one stone, work smarter, not harder. Um, and so to be able to use the content and not have to go out and create separate landing pages was pretty neat. So if someone was wanting to replicate what you did, uh, the, the successes out of it, uh, I mean, how would you put it together into a list of action points for someone to do a better job with their content strategy? Sure. Well, I will say that the user experience is only a small part of it. So (laughs) I want to definitely go into some other areas. Um, But I would say for that, definitely look at your user. Go to your user and ask your user what they need or they want, Uh, whether it's with surveys, um, whether it's doing customer interviews, whether it's looking at the usage data like we did with Google Analytics, because you can actually look at the search queries through the website. Um, and that was a, a big clue and indicator. Uh, and then I looked at, you know, traffic and what was popular and what was not and sort of made some inferences off of that. And you also were kind enough to share some notes with me beforehand of um, your, your, your thoughts on the, the potential discussion. And one phrase uh, kind of jumped out, the, the ideal customer profile, ICP, mm-hmm. and um, applying that to a content strategy. Um, so so how did you actually decide who the, the ideal customer profile was and, and what actually makes up an ideal customer profile? Sure. So again, the idea of going directly to the measurement of success. Um, so we do a lot of work. Our marketing team, I'm so proud of them because everybody is so data literate. And that was definitely a, a mission of mine to teach my team data literacy Um, so that we could all make really great decisions to decide our strategies. Um, 
especially, you know, with demand gen, it's all about we're putting so much out there. And so if we're not attracting the right person, then that's a problem. So we went directly to our sales data and we looked at, um, you know, who made up our closed run deals. And so we really built the ICPs off of that. We also talked to the sales team. We talked to partnership. Um, It was definitely not built in a silo. We made sure to reach across the aisle because at the end of the day, you know, there's that tale as old as time. Sales and marketing are a little head to head sometimes, but really we're, you know, we're trying to be in service of each other. Um, And I think that's really our major philosophy at Review Trackers um, is always saying, okay, is this working? Are you closing deals? Are you closing the right deals? Um, and so again, going to that like end of the road, this is what we hope to achieve. And then working backwards slowly was able to help us um, to build that ideal customer profile by vertical specificity, uh, by seniority level. Um, you know, we identified that there are the front end users of our product. And then there's also the buyer, uh, which is not necessarily the front end user of our product, um, but they see the value that you know, and the impact, the business impact and operational impact that our program, which, you know, at the face of it looks like maybe you're just, it's helping you respond to reviews. But when you can actually pull out customer experience data and apply that to your business operations and make valuable changes that actually help you to not only retain customers and build loyalty, but also acquire new ones, because all of that has to do with SEO and how you are visible online. That's a big deal. So all of that's a long-winded way of saying, go directly past go, do not stop, do not collect $200, go to the final end of the road success that you're hoping to achieve and then work backwards. Okay. Um, let, let's put some more meat on what content strategy means, because I think that a lot of marketers think that they've got a content strategy, but it's really just a list of um different article titles that they intend to publish over the coming few months. So what, what, from your perspective, what is a content strategy and uh, how often does it need to be refreshed? Wow. That, <laughs> how much time do we have, David? <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason I ask is because I could talk about that forever, but um, that's a really good point. I think, you know, when people talk about content strategy, it's like, oh, are we producing blogs? Yes. Great. Check off the box. Um, we've got a content strategy, but really, I think um, giving a bit of an anecdote of one of the things that we needed to solve for was uh, that will kind of answer this is um, we did an audit, a content audit, and we uh, so we we actually built an asset library. We have so much content. We actually we're a marketing technology. I'm in marketing and a marketing technology. We know the importance of content. So I was very lucky to inherit a very strong content foundation. Um, But then what we had, I mean, we had like over 700 posts, possibly even a thousand. And so what one of my goals was to organize all of that. And we kind of did a V2 version um, where we organized every single piece of content into a spreadsheet and we labeled it not only by the level of the funnel and the, the buyer's journey that it would apply best to. So either, you know, awareness, consideration, decision. We also labeled it as uh, with the buyer in mind. So is it the decision maker or is it the actual, um, the influencer, the user of the product? What product, because again, we're a software. And so what 
product feature does the content line up to? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to build is that understanding and education, inspiration even to use the product. Um, And so when we did that, we actually noticed that a majority of our content was awareness. And we had next to no consideration or decision. And so, um, you know, when we're creating those blog topics, like that's not doing it for us because we were like, why are we not producing more content-driven leads, um, content-driven ops? And we just started to really say, oh my gosh, we're getting traffic to the site, which is great. That's a success, you know, a successful thing to do. But then nobody's going any further because we don't have the rest of that funnel to to take into consideration. So we started actually tweaking the topics on that list that you mentioned that we're producing. Um, I have an absolute rock star of a production team. They're producing like three posts a week. But again, it's all about quality, not quantity. Um, So we got to that really specifically because I also think that is extremely important. You should not be putting things out there just to put things out there because there's so much noise on the internet. So if you are not inspiring or educating or doing something in service of your ICP, you shouldn't be doing it. And it's probably a waste of your time. (laughs) I'd just like to pick up your phrase there. Uh, So you said if you're not inspiring or educating, I I think... um, Educating is what a lot of big enterprise brands and um, B2B brands need to do more successfully. And again, they don't really have a very well planned out way of doing that. Um, How does, from your perspective, educational content, educate and an educational experience fit into a B2B buyer journey? And how do you track the success of that education? Sure. Um, One of the things I think was a bit of a eureka moment for me. It took me a while in my career um, to realize this is that just because they're coming to the website doesn't mean that what you're presenting to them is right for them in that particular time frame of their uh, their content, like their what they need in their journey. Um, and so, what we were doing, and and to kind of illustrate this is, you know, when I was saying that we had so much awareness level content, well, the call to action on that page was a demo. And that means that they're getting ready to talk to a salesperson. Well, if they're coming into the awareness level up here and they're just finding out about reputation management, they are not ready to talk to a salesperson. So it was being very strategic um, about what they needed next in their educational process. Because, you know, and again, I talk a lot about empathetical marketing because I think that it's very easy to get excited and um, get off on these like creative tangents. And I think you should, you know, the brain juice should always be flowing. But I think if you are not putting yourself in the customer's shoes and saying, what do I need next? You're, you might be missing the mark. Um, And so in order to, you know, to be able to measure that and say, we're, we're looking at, um, again, I'm always in sales data. So just because I'm doing stuff on marketing, I'm typically looking at how many leads, what the quality of the leads are, what stage of the leads are they? Are we producing a lot of closed and qualified? Because if that's the case, that's a problem with content. We need to be tweaking it. We need to be going after maybe a different you know, um, audience. Then when they get to the opportunity stage, if we've got a lot of closed lost opportunities, well then to me, there's a lot of different factors, but one of them could potentially be like, they didn't have enough information 
to be able to make a decision that would lead them to working with us. Um, and so that's where we kind of are like, we're, we're sort of revamping that. Um, again, my team full of rock stars, we've got an, a whiz at automation nurturing um, and, and, you know, automation, email automation, things like that with chat. Um, she's got a, a background in ABM. So she's kind of overseeing all of how do you create this multi-channel experience with content? So she's repurposing that content that brought them in the first place in emails, in the chat. Um, so really it's just, did they get the right information at the right time? I had mentioned that audit that we did. Another piece of that audit was a call to action audit. So it's like, okay, we've got awareness. Well, we'd probably want to get them to the consideration stage, not the decision-making stage, which we had been blanketing the site with demos. And again, that's not what they needed in that time period of their educational process. Um, and so now we've started inserting, okay, this is awareness content. We know we need a consideration call to action. And so we're now able to, we're starting to measure the efficacy of that re sort of orchestration and organization of the content that we already had. And we're starting to see some really exciting success. I was actually just pulling numbers today out of pure curiosity. And we, from 2021 to 2022, and so this, mind you, was a full year of 2021, and we still have four months of 2022, but we actually increased our total opportunities from organic search traffic by 366% from last year. So doing all of this, we also are engaging an external agency who is working a lot with us on um, technical SEO and you know optimization in areas where maybe we're uh, you know falling through the cracks. But yeah, so... So that's a little bit of how, you know, the educational journey is very complex and we just started really reimagining like, okay, are we really serving everybody the the things that they might need in each step of it? Um, and if not, then we need to rethink that. Megan, I think there's a question that you asked and in, in towards the beginning of what you said then, um, something like, did we serve them the right information at the right time? And I think that every content marketer needs to be asking that question um, with every single piece of content on their website. I think that was so well put. If um, you are serving the right piece of content at the right time to the, to, to the right audience member, to the right target buyer, then surely your content strategy is, is spot on there. So I think a wonderful phrase for many marketers, many content marketers certainly to be thinking of. Uh, I also think, Megan, perhaps we can arrange ideally a part two of this discussion because I sense that you've got so much more to share. But for, for now, let's move on from what works now to planning for the future. So in your opinion, what is the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year? That's a, that is a great question, David. Um, and I, I don't know if I can narrow it down to one, so I'll give half of an answer of one and half of the answer of the other. Um, so I think one of the biggest challenges facing us today, so when I talked a lot about that full circle data analysis and really leaning on the data to make the decisions to get the right content in front of the right person at the right time, um, you know, the lack of potential attribution that we are facing because of the doing away of cookies um, is a little scary. And so that was a huge uphill battle. Um, that was something that I, you know, had been advocating for, and we now have an absolute 
I keep saying Rockstar team, but they really truly are our marketing ops person, um, our, you know, our sales ops people, our, our director of de- revenue generation, RevOps, um, our, our sales leadership, everybody has really believed in this. And so it's allowed us to really be able to measure you know, efficiently what is working. And so now on the horizon, having to sort of reimagine all of that without cookies, because that's kind of how, what drives our strategy right now. We are certainly thinking down the road how we're going to rectify that because we know that, that one day that will come. Uh, so the other part of that is that I think one of the challenges that is going to be facing marketers is that we have like absolutely blown past the information age and we're in information overload age. Like we, there is too much stuff out there. I can't consume content. I am a black sheep. I create content for a living and I literally can't even consume it because there's too much. So people are like, oh, what do you do to get inspired? I'm like, I don't, I put on blinders and I literally don't get content. So I think it goes to show you that we're going to have a tough time if you are not really paring it down to the the absolute necessities of content, like what engages, what inspires, what educates. I think you have to be really ruthless about that because we're all starting to feel it. People, I mean, we're putting so much time and effort into email marketing and we know that we actually have wonderful open rates um, and click-through rates. So that's, I mean, we're, we're at like, you know, 16%, like we're, we're like, in terms of B2B industry best, I think we're doing really well. I'm super proud of the team. Um, but we are going to be facing this cacophony of just absolute noise out there. I mean, the, every I think there's some kind of stat that's like every minute, like four pieces of content or, or more than that, or like 400 pieces of content. So It's got to be high quality as well, doesn't it? I mean, it's got to be hyper relevant and hyper high quality as well. I mean... I use pod- podcasting as an example because 10 years ago you could get away with um, producing pretty poor quality, inferior quality. But nowadays, I think with the Netflix culture, people are used to consuming high quality content just all the time on demand. And unless the content you're producing not necessarily exactly matches professionally produced content, but at least doesn't let people down uh, significantly after they've been consuming that kind of content, then they'll forget about your brand. But anyway, that's that's my particular rant. And I absolutely agree. And that's why going back to that end of the road vision of success and what is actually working to close you know, deals and, and get you new customers is so important because you could create all the things in the world, but if they're not servicing that small group of people who are actually proving out success for you, then it's it's futile and you can waste so much time and effort spinning your wheels. But if you're starting with that North Star of, you know, being that right content, high quality, what they expect, whatever tickles their fancy, whatever really resonates with them, and then you're working backwards from that, it's it's a good strategy for this potential challenge of white noise out there. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Megan Zink over at reviewtrackers.com. Megan, thanks so much for being on this strategic marketing show. Thank you so much for having me, David. It was a pleasure. Um, I would love to connect with people on LinkedIn. You can find me with just Megan Zink. Um, I have a picture picture of myself holding a camera in tie-dye. So (laughs) if you find that picture, you'll know you have the right one. I love talking about marketing and potentially part two. 
Superb. That sounds enticing. And we will, of course, include the social links that you mentioned in the show notes at insightsforprofessionals.com. Thanks again. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com.